Hey, welcome to uh, Dream Chasers uh, podcast. I'm Harvey Harrington. Uh, today's guest uh, played at Brebuff High School. Um, she was a two-time state champion, Gatorade Player of the Year. She was a uh, 20 uh, 2007 Miss Basketball for the state of Indiana, a McDonald's All-American, um, a four-year starter at uh, Xavier University. And um, she's at Xavier University Hall of Famer. So we're going to put some respect on her name. Today we got on Tashia Phillips. Tashia, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm not too hard. I'm doing all right, man. I said, I said a mouthful of all your accolades and all stuff you got going on, man. So tell me about uh, early life. How, how did Tashia grow up? Where you from? So little little do people know, I'm actually from uh, the not so great neighborhoods of Indianapolis. I grew up on 34th and Emerson. Okay. Um, I think every time I, people hear Brebuff, they think I had money, you know, grew up in a, a well-respected neighborhood. Right. It wasn't like that at all. You know, my parents, both entrepreneurs for themselves. My father used to build houses. My mom's a beautician. Okay. So, you know, they were doing what they had to do. I know a lot of times, you know, my father had actually built a basement in our house, our first house. Um, so my mom could work from home. And so my mom is over here, you know, cleaning, cooking, doing hair, driving my brother and I to our different events, making sure we're practicing our instruments, doing homework, you know, dad's out working. So I, I grew up in, you know, was relatively different than what people think. Right. Right. So uh, how'd you how'd you get to sports? Um, so I've always been tall for my age. Uh, I, people, most people don't know unless they see me, I'm about six, six now, but I've always been tall. Um, I was never within the growth charts, even as a, a small child. So, uh, elementary school, there was a gentleman there named Mr. Parker and he saw that I was starting to grow a little bit and he was like, Hey, it's a boys league, but I want you to come and, and play. And I'm not thinking anything about sports. You know, mom kept us active playing in the yard and, and doing different things, but it wasn't like I was paying any attention to basketball. Okay. Um, so that's how I really got started off into it. Okay. Okay. So what other sports did you play other than basketball growing up? Um, as a small kid, basketball was all that I did. You know, okay. uh, I started out playing in the boys league and then a family friend, Reggie Stewart, his daughter, Regin Stewart, uh, played for the family. Kevin Merriweather is the family. And that's actually how I ended up getting there because Mr. Reggie used to deliver supplies, hair supplies to my mom. Okay. And he noticed that I was growing. He was like, hey, you know, you've got her playing. Right. Put her on this team. She can get better. So off until about uh, high school, I played mm -hmm. basketball. But being at Rebuff, it's a very mm -hmm. diverse culture and environment. Right. I, I did a little bit of track. I did some shot put. Mm -hmm. um, somebody asked me to play volleyball. I was not digging the short shorts. I played for <laughs> a little bit. But I did it. And then right. um, one of the few things that I had a chance to do was crew, which is rowing. I really enjoyed that. I did that for about two or three years out of my four Right. But basketball was always my main focus. Right. So when did you <clears throat> when did you know it was pretty serious for basketball? Was it high school? Um, you know, when did you when did you figure out the time that, you know, all right, this is what I'm going to be doing for a little while? Or I'm really good at. <clears throat> so I was nine years old when I started playing um, okay. originally. And mm. I was terrible. Growing through a growing phase, couldn't walk straight, you know, couldn't dribble the ball, couldn't do anything like that. And playing on the family, the older girls did not give me a break. At right. first, they just sit on the sidelines. I'm not doing drills. They're like, no, you're going to get in and do drills. And as soon as right. they get the ball, they pass me right away. You know, right. I'm, I'm dribbling off my foot, everything else. So right. I didn't really enjoy it, but my mom kept me in it. 
Right. Um, I really started to hit a growth sport around 10. My mom is about five, five. I passed her up at 10. Okay. We're growing. So at, at 12, I started to get a little bit better and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. You know, now that I'm, I'm starting to learn a little bit, enjoy a little bit and get some coordination. This is, this is starting to be, at 12 years old, I started taking it more serious. I was in the gym all the time. Like my mom mm-hmm. actually left me at the gym one time because okay. I was to come out. Right. Right. So, uh, is it safe to say that uh, Meriwether influenced you, or was it more or less uh, was it your parents pushing you? What was that like? I know you said your mom was just coming to pick you up, but who really influenced you? Um, who put that in you? It. We've always been self-driven kids. My brother and I. Um, my parents put in us early that you know nobody can do anything for you, and okay. whatever you want to do, you have to do it yourself. Right. Um, but I will say that I had a lot of influences throughout my life. Uh, being that I grew up in a beauty shop, I had a ton of extra moms and dads. You know, people that were willing to support. Um, yeah. At my church, faith is a big thing for me. I go to Eastern Star. You know, pastor always made sure that he would shout me out if I was doing something. Right. Um, all the, you know, church members, they were always supporting, hey, are you getting your education? You making sure you're doing good in class, not just basketball. Right. Um, my family is from the South, a small part of the South on my mom's side from Tennessee. So all of them were always trying to make sure, you know, that we were doing something good, something positive. So I got encouraged through that. And right. yeah, Mr. Merriweather was a big part. The whole family team was a big part. You know, it was a, it's actually a family. All the parents, all the teammates, everybody's always pushing you, trying to be better. I think we all pushed each other. So I've had plenty and plenty of people that helped encourage me and push me and influence me in that way. Right. Right. So talk about rebuff. Um, talk about, you know, once you, when you first got there, first of all, why'd you choose rebuff? So most people don't believe me, but I was always a nerd. I've always been more into books than basketball. Uh, I actually read the dictionary as a kid for fun when I was younger. So I've I've always been that type of kid. And my mother made sure that we got an education. I don't know if you remember the old cartoon, Baby Huey. She right. said, I knew you were going to be tall, but I refused to let you be dumb. So she always made sure we had extra books on hand to be able to learn a little extra something. So um, we were bused out to the Southport District from 34th and Emerson. Okay. So I went to Clinton Young Elementary. I went to Southport Middle. Mm-hmm. And it was time to make a decision for high school. My mother didn't want us going to Southport. Um, oh. She just felt like, you know, we needed a better opportunity. So one of the players on the family, Kira Pappas, actually went to Burbuff. And she knew that we were looking for high school. She said, hey, I want you to come check it out, you know, see what it's like. I think you really like it there. So we went and we did the, the shadow day. And we did, you know, all the little fun things that they have for orientation took the entrance exam and I passed. And my mother was like, hey, this is a great place for you, but I'm not going to make the decision for you. Do you want to go to Southport or do you want to go to Brebuff? Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, making sure that I knew that I had the opportunity to do something a little different at Brebuff. And I'm not going to lie, my four years there were great. I had people to push me. I've always been smart, so I didn't have to try hard in class, but they didn't let me get away with, you know, just being mediocre and being okay. They pushed me to be great. Um, And it was also an opportunity for basketball too, you know, to put my name on something because rebuff has been good, but it's known for education, not sports. Right. And during that time, I got to win two state championships, which is awesome. Right. Right. So talk about uh, um, 
a little bit that span, that little high school span of how how the teams were, um, how the girls were. I know you said they weren't known, they weren't known for sports and stuff like that, but what was it like basketball wise uh when you got there as a freshman? Did you play right away? Um, when did you kind of establish, you know, yourself as Tashia Phillips? I was a four-year starter at Rebuff, actually. Mm. Uh, so mm. that was, you know, that was really cool to be able to come in as a freshman and help to make an impact. Um, I'm not going to say that I was that great. I'm not going to say that I was that good. I was still learning at that point, you know, still growing and, and really understanding mm-hmm. what I was going to be as a basketball player. So when I first started, I was the shortest one on the team, on the family. I was a guard. So I didn't really transition to a post. So I was about 12, 13 once I hit my growth spurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still learning the ways of the post at that point. But defense has always been my strong suit. So that's the one thing that I brought my freshman year because we had excellent players on there. Amanda Katroki, Amber Jackson, you know, Natalie Mulliken was more of a volleyball player, but she still played basketball. So I had a great group of seniors and juniors that I got to just sort of learn from and be around when I got there. And that's what made it easy for us to, you know, get to a state championship. Now, following that, a lot of you know, that talent graduated off. So every year I had to take on more of a a leadership role of a different role of, you know, really establishing myself as sort of a go-to player. So I got the chance to one, come into something established that had the chance to be great. And we did, we won a state championship, but every year after that, it pushed me to grow further and further. And then my senior year, you know, I really had to take the lead on that one for us to be able to win a state championship. And I, I just thank God that I had excellent teammates that were willing to let me do that you know, for us to be able to win. Right, right, man. You say you you say you can't brag on yourself, but you was a Gatorade player of the year. You was a Indiana Miss Basketball. You was a McDonald's All-American. I think you got the right to brag. Anyway, moving on. So uh, you were looking at schools uh, when you got ready to figure out what you're going to do at college. Who was looking at you? Um, you know, um, how did the process go? And then how'd you choose Xavier? So we're going to be 100% honest right now and in the most positive way possible. Um, Truthfully and honestly, I I could have chosen any school that I really wanted to go to. Um, You know, post players are not a dime a dozen like guards are. So we have a little bit of extra extra pull when it comes to picking a place, um, especially if you're talented. So I had a lot of places looking at me. I was, you know, talking to a lot of coaches, talking to a lot of schools. Right. But um, at first, I, I'm a homebody. Okay. And my family's Southern, and that's how we were raised mm-hmm. is to, you know, stick close to home, stick close to your loved ones. So I knew I didn't go so far. Right. Um, so Purdue ended up being my first choice because Amber Harris was one of my teammates on the family, and we decided that we wanted to go to college together. Dee uh, Dee Jernigan, who also ended up being one of my teammates at Xavier was also looking at so they had, you know, somebody that we knew in Katrina Merriweather on the staff, but we also love Christy Curry and we love that Purdue was close to home, that we would be able to play right in front of family. It's 45 minutes down the road. Right. My major. Um, and at the time I didn't realize that my introversion was not a good fit for a big school. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit of an introvert. I can talk to people, but I like to kind of stay to myself. <laughs> so that was my first choice. Um, And then they had the coaching change. And in the coaching change, I was a junior. So I still had time to decide, okay, do I still want to go here or not? And I didn't feel like after I looked at, you know, the new staff coming in, I didn't really know them that well. I started to learn more about myself over that year that Purdue was still a good fit. 
And right. so um, I opened up my options, you know, tried to open up my recruitment, see who I could talk to. Right. At that point, I'm talking heavy to LSU. I'm talking heavy to Duke. I'm talking heavy to Maryland. Um, Xavier wasn't even in the picture. Right. To be honest. But somehow Amber Harris, who I decided to go to school with, ended up going to Xavier. Right. And we were at a tournament during the summer. She had come back because Amber's a year older than I am. And we were yeah. watching the game. And she was like, she, I want you to consider her coming to Xavier. I'm like, Amber, man, that's that's for you. I'm I'm cool. I'm looking at my options. Right. It's not a big deal. She's like, T, I'm asking you just one time, come take a look at Xavier. So my mom and I and my father and I and my family, we're all talking about, you know, what my official visits are going to look like, who I want right. to talk to. We had a couple of home visits at first. So I had squared them away for Maryland first, Xavier second, and then Duke. Those were my three that I had decided on outside of the five. So I took my trip to Maryland. It was right. cool. I have not gotten out there. I was like, okay, I can go out here, but it was a big school, and that wasn't really for me. Right. Then we get to Xavier on this, and I'm like, man, this is this is excellent. It's a small school, great campus. Again, it's something that I get to put my name on. Right. If I decide to go there, um, it has my major. It's one of the top 13 business schools in the country at mm -hmm. that point. And on top of that, I knew most of my teammates from either playing with them or against them. Most of those right. kids, Indiana, Ohio kids, you know, from those areas. So it made sense. But they have this one nun that's actually been on the like the Today Show, Rose Ann Fleming. That's the best salesman I've ever met in my life. <laughs> this, this older lady, gray hair, you right. know, got a suit on and she's sitting across. And before I can even ask the question, she's answering every single thing I have. Right. And by the time she gets through with her spiel, she's like, do you have any questions? I'm sitting there dumbfounded like, no, I have no. I have nothing. Right. Um, I enjoyed the staff, you know, um, Coach McGuff and I, which is the head coach at that time. We really developed a good relationship because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm playing for the head coach. I'm not playing for the assistants. Right. I'm <laughs> who I'm playing for is the head coach. And I really felt like I got to know him well. We're actually still cool to this day. I get to hang out with him and his family out in at Ohio State, go hang out at the house with him and the six kids and his wife. Right. So it's right. still cool. But just having that that environment that really fit me because most people don't know. Rebuff is Jesuit Catholic, Xavier is Jesuit Catholic. It was uh -huh. like going from high school to college at the same school. Right. And right. so, you know, having my mother really open my eyes, like, okay, you're sort of introverted. You did well at a small school. Do you need to go to big school? Right. Also, talking over those things, looking at your personality, does it really fit here? What you want to study, does it fit better here? So just right. having that, you know, those people to really talk to me and really let me know, okay, who are you and how does it fit with where you're going? Instead right. of just making a decision based upon basketball. So it was a holistic decision. Nice, nice. Man, so you mentioned Amber Harris. Yeah. Um, she was a, she was Miss Basketball the year before you was. Mm -hmm. All right. What was it like uh, sharing the court uh, with Amber? I mean, obviously now you're a force. She's a force. And now you're in college together. What was that like? Well, it wasn't any different from what I was used to, because Amber and I actually met when I was 13 and she was 14 playing for the family. Mm -hmm. So we played together every summer, all summer. Um, now, I can't say when we first met each other, we really liked each other because we didn't. Amber and I are drastically different. You know, I take things more serious. Amber's a little more lighthearted. Right. Um, Amber plays from natural skill. I I play from effort. So a lot of times it ended up being 
sort of a butting of heads. Even in college, we had a lot of butting of heads, but we grew to appreciate each other the more that we played with each other, the older we got. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why we decided to go to college together. We're like, hey, this works so well during the summer. Why wouldn't we do this in college? Mm-hmm. You know, where we can both go. I mean, we had our separate success in high school, which was cool. So why wouldn't we put the two together, you know, to really try and create something that was going to be great. And that's exactly what we got to do at Xavier. I think we we only lost like 23, 24 games in our four years at Xavier. So, I mean, that was that was an excellent experience. I wouldn't change that for the world. And so another another thing I'm looking at, y'all made the Elite Eight. Uh, I want to talk, I want you to talk about that tournament experience. Uh, and I really, I want you to kind of really think back on what was it? What was it really like? Because right now, you know, with coronavirus, you got so many uh, kids that made the tournament. Like IUPUI made the tournament, right? It's the first time, you know, in forever. Like they, I don't think they've ever done it, and they can't experience that. Talk to me about your college experience playing in the tournament, going to the Elite Eight. What was that like? It's mind blowing to be honest with you. I mean, it's one of those things that people tell you you have the talent and you see that you can win games, but you know, I think being we were called a mid-major D1. No one expected us to compete with the high major D1 mm-hmm. teams. They just didn't. They didn't think we had the talent or the ability. And right. so to go out game after game and be able to prove somebody wrong, that was that was amazing. You know, we kept right. as a tight-knit group. I remember that year we really made up our minds that that was the year that we were going to do something different. We were going to do something special. Right. And I know everybody talks about that every year, but it's different in saying it and then doing it. So every game, you know, it's do or die. And right. that's exactly how you feel. You feel the pressure. But I think what outweighs that pressure is the excitement, the right. adrenaline, the ability to go out and play one more game. And so, honestly, that's a level up. Most people right. don't realize right. that. Like you, you have to level up your game. At that point, your body's tired. You're physically tired. You're mentally tired but you have to push to that next level to be able to continue to push through the tournament. And I think that's one of those things that knowing you have the possibility to win a championship, to go out and play one more time, it pushes you past all the things that you don't feel like you have physically or mentally. Right. Right. So game after game, you know, I remember we studied film like nobody's business. We made sure to do all types of extra recovery, you know, being smart in practices, cutting down the hours to make sure that we could manage our bodies. Um, Coach, you know, he didn't do anything any different than he normally did, but we were more strategic that year with minutes and making sure that everybody got the rest that they needed and, you know, fueling our bodies properly. We took everything to a whole nother level across the board. And so making it to the Elite Eight, I don't think you could talk to any one of my teammates right now that I played with for the Elite Eight, and they wouldn't tell you that we didn't think we were going to win the championship. We did. Right. And the only reason that didn't happen, and we're not blaming it on you know one person, but two layups were missed. And I think that is just what made the difference. It just wasn't meant. Not that we didn't have the talent, not that we weren't able, not that we didn't want to, but it just it wasn't meant. Right, right. So I got a question. Um, I'm gonna throw this out at you. Um, they were talking about doing the NCAA uh tournament and they were talking about doing the NBA finishing the season without the fans. <laughs> what would that look like? You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine going through your tournament run with no fans? No, so 
to tell the truth, I don't think that fans get enough credit. You know, there's only so much energy a team can provide. There's right. only so much Absolutely. excitement and fuel that a team can provide. And yeah, you're going to play for bragging rights or play to say you won, right. but it's just a different atmosphere when you have, you know, butts in the seats, you right. have a lot of noise, you have energy because I don't know if you, I know you know this cause you played, you know, you right. played too. It's one of those things when it's quiet in the stands and you're not playing well, you feel that just like <laughs> when it's loud and energetic and every shot you make, every move you make is being cheered on. You know, right. that fueled you in a different way. So I don't think that that really would have been – it would have been safe, but I don't think it would have been enjoyable at all right. For, right. for not only the athletes, but for the fans, the people watching. I don't think that would have been enjoyable at all. Me me either. I, uh, I mean, I, when I first heard that, I thought that was a joke. I'm like, there's no way possible. You know, the, the fans and the crowd brings the energy. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and, you know, it's crucial points in the game that the fans can, can carry you home. Everybody, anybody that played basketball on a, on a good enough level knows that. So I, I just thought that was a joke when they said that. Uh, moving on to the WNBA, um, did you have for one? Did you have aspirations to go to the WNBA? Uh, two, did you think that you would? That did you think that you would be drafted into the WNBA? I mean, what was that like? Because I know you guys. Um, I think you graduated what two thousand seven, correct? One day, and so the WNBA was kind of really starting to starting to form a little bit. Was that on your radar, or was that um, you know? I know again, um, Amber. Did Amber go to the WNBA before you? No, we actually went the same year. It was the same had, year. Okay. Amber had an injury, so she sat out, and we graduated at the same time. Okay. So Amber, you know, she she got to go. We got to go together, which was awesome. I think that was way better than me cheering her on the year before and her cheering right. me on the year after. We got yeah. to do so many things together and have that be one of those things together was just, you know, all the better, honestly. Right. Um, so your first question, was the WNBA on my radar? No. Not <laughs> um, at all? No, most people are surprised when I say that. It was not because I've always felt like I have a passion for basketball. I love basketball, but it was a tool for me to get where I wanted to go. Um, watching both of my parents be entrepreneurs as a kid, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to own businesses, you know, be philanthropic, be a venture capitalist. I still want to do those things. Right. And so that was on my radar more than playing basketball for the rest of my life was. Right. Um, so I actually had the majors of entrepreneurship and marketing in undergrad. So my whole plan was to, you know, get out of college, work at a work at a, a business until I could learn as much as I could to make my opening for me to do that for myself. Right. So I was not giving any really thought to playing in the WNBA, even though I saw, you know, WNBA coaches at my games and seeing some of the players that I did watch being at my games, it was cool, but I didn't really give it much thought. Right. I think the turning point for that was um, I got chosen to go to the World University Games, which is like college Olympics, essentially. And we played in Belgrade, Serbia. And so one of my teammates on that team was Jantel Lavender. She plays in the WNBA right now. Um, she went to Ohio State. We played against each other because she went to she played for all Ohio when I played for the family. That was a big rivalry. Okay. But we were overseas and we were in the room. We had a rest day and she was just saying, you know, most of the people that are on this team are going to get drafted. And I was, she was like, 
what are you thinking? I was like, nah, mm -mm. she was like, girl, like, I appreciate you, but please realize that you are most likely going to get drafted. And I was thinking in my head, hmm, interesting. Hadn't really given it much thought, but I guess that makes sense. So I came back and just went back to my normal. Right. Um, you know, just getting ready for college, playing, playing my last year, doing what it was that I could for my team. Right. And when the paperwork came in, I'm not going to lie, I was still surprised as I was when she said it. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's crazy. So when you got drafted, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got to straighten up a little bit. When you got drafted, um, you know, what was that? What was that like, um, you know, that first that first year for you. Um, and then I want you to speak on, um, they did a collective bargaining agreement, right? Or I don't know what it's called that now that they get paid a little bit more. Um, talk about that um, and how these girls, um, how like, that was needed. You know what I mean? I think that was needed. Um, you know, I didn't think that the, that the WNBA got the respect that they, that they deserve. And I think that even watching, um, watching WNBA games, they play harder than the men. I thought that they should have got paid a long time ago. But talk, speak on kind of what your contract was like. Uh, speak on that first year and a little bit more into your journey in the WNBA. So um, being drafted, I'm not going to lie, I didn't go unprepared again because I felt like, you know, that wasn't really something I was having on my radar. So um, I came in behind, which – no one ever realizes you're automatically behind. Right. You know, these, these players have been playing for a year or more. They know the game. Like you don't know the game. Um, The game is faster. You have to think it faster. You have to be able to process faster. I remember I was in training camp and my coach put five or six plays on one side of the whiteboard, flipped it over, put another few on there and was like, all right, now go run them all. Right. They're thinking in my head, like, wait, what? I didn't catch half of that. I'm, I'm trying, but They were like, no, this is what we do. And the thing about it was, is if you didn't know it, you couldn't run it. You weren't getting another chance. You're getting put back on the baseline. Right. And that's how good you had to be. Um, it was just, uh, it was fast. I have right. to be honest, though. Like, my experience was different than most people's experiences. I learned a lot. I did enjoy myself. But what most people don't know is I actually had a career in injury in training camp. Ooh, and yeah. I just played on it all year. Right. That's what I did. <laughs> At the end of the at the end of the year, I had surgery and, you know, I was like, okay, maybe we can come back. Maybe we can't. I tried to figure that out the next few years, but it was what it was. You know, I knew okay. I was over for basketball and that was fine with me because right. I had planned to do something otherwise anyways, mm-hmm. you know, um, as far as the collective bargaining agreement, most players are locked into their contract for the first five years. So your rookie contract is for the first five years. So, you know, I think like the lowest paid is in the 30,000s and like the highest is like 46, 47,000, something like that. Right. Um, depending on where you're drafted. And like I said, your rookie contract is for the first five years. Now, what people don't understand is everybody says, oh, the WNBA should get paid more. Where are they going to get the money from? You know, a lot of the funding comes from the NBA. But at the same time, if people don't go watch games, yeah. ticket sales are what provides money. Right. We have sponsorships. Uh, you know, there are different partnerships that we work with to, to get the funding. But if there are no butts in seats, there won't be a league to watch. And right. you are right. The women definitely play harder than the men because, one, we're the closest thing to fundamental basketball that there is. Absolutely. 
And unlike the men on defense, you know, everybody wants to talk about athleticism and the WNBA is not the same as the NBA. I can't challenge that. But everybody wants to talk about dunks. There's almost one to two players per team that can dunk. We're just not going to give you the opportunity because we're playing hard defense. Right. You know, in the men's league, it's like, okay, everybody showboat, everybody get their buckets. We take too much pride in our game in the WNBA. Like, you're not getting anything easy. I remember being bumped in college, but I definitely do not remember being bumped the way I was bumped in the league in college because everybody's hitting you every move you make. Like, they are not letting any easy buckets go. They're not letting anybody go off for however many points. So when you see those stat sheets and they've got 20, 30 points, they earned every single one of them. Right, right. Every one of them. Absolutely. So – Post basketball, you go on to coach. Uh, yep. Where did you coach at, and how long did you coach for? So I fell into coaching. It's not something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Melson, that we talked about earlier, she has uh, her and her husband have a training company, and they were running the camp. She asked me to help out. She found out I was good with kids and good with sort of teaching the game of basketball. So she asked me to be one of her assistants at the Cena Memorial High School when she got the head coaching job there. Okay. Um, turned it down a couple times. She didn't take no for an answer. So I ended up coaching at the Cena Memorial, Memorial here in Indianapolis for a year. Right. Um, in coaching, I found out that, well, my, uh, you know, my competitive nature really didn't go anywhere. Not that I thought it would, but right. I didn't know it was still as heavy as it was. Right. So I talked to her and I wanted to move up, you know, see what college coaching looked like. Right. Um, I ended up going all the way out to Garden City, Kansas, which is a 13 hour drive mm. from here in Indianapolis to coach junior college basketball. I was there for a year. We ended up having a 21 season. So that was definitely a challenge in different ways, uh, not just because it's a level up, but because they say that, you know, Juco kids have issues. Um, you end up having to teach them to be people more than necessarily coaching the game. So you end up doing a good balance of both. So that was great in me getting my feet, you know, really wet and what coaching looks like and opening the door to my understanding of how much that my coaches went through. Uh, The year following that, I actually got to work for Kristen Draben, now Woodridge, at the University of Indianapolis. We had met at a coaching symposium called A Step Up. And we were traveling back because at the time she was an assistant with Janice Banks at IUPUI. And we were all at the symposium just, you know, talking about and learning about basketball and what coaching looks like. And so then the next year she got the head coaching job and she needed a post coach. And so then, you know, being a post player, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm available. I'm willing. And I got to coach there for two years. That was that was a great experience because Kristen was a great shooter. She actually went to Avon High School. Uh, Carl Malone went to Purdue. She's an all-time steals leader, great defensive, you know, player. And Fakar was a guard. And then myself, we had all played with each other or against each other at some point. And so then being three young former basketball players, three women trying to start, you know, really regrowing a program, that was just it was different. It was fun, you know, really testing the limits of our basketball knowledge, just being able to combine our intellect and what we understood. And so being able to do that for two years, that was excellent. I also was able to get my master's during that time from tuition exchange. So I got a two for one on that one. So after that, it was just like, okay, what's next? I'm, I'm, I'm a person. I like goals. I like, you know, achieving things. I like being able to push myself. And at that point, it was just time to get out of coaching. So four years total, one year high school, three years college, and then it was time to move on. 
So uh, being a couple years removed from playing the game of basketball, um, you know, you've been out of high school uh, for a little while. Uh, you played the WNBA. You go right into coaching. What is it like now on the opposite side of those X and O's? You've been a player for so long. Um, for me, when I coached, I didn't understand certain things that once I start coaching, I was like, okay, now I get why this coach was that way, or I get why they why they handled stuff that way. What was that like for you, seeing it, you know, going and and especially being in high school, dealing with parents, dealing with kids? What was that like? Um. I think it opened up more of my personal understanding than my basketball understanding. I've okay. always been able to be around people that understood the game at a very high level. So for me, I got to just continue to build on and use and grow that knowledge and find different ways to, you know, teach the game to players and explain my knowledge and understanding to the people that I was working with. But as far as, the relationship piece, I don't think people understand how far that goes in coaching. That's more important than the X's and O's because if you can build that relationship with your players and those parents and really get them to trust you and buy into what it is that you're trying to tell, you know, a kid's going to run through a wall for you. Right. And a parent is not going to be so frustrated with how you interact with their kid if they trust you and they understand that you really care about the kids and, and, you know, being there for their student athlete, that you care about their well-being, not just on the court, but off and trying to grow them into the people that they should be. And so for me, transitioning from college to the pros to then coaching, Mm -hmm. my relationship understanding had to change because a lot of times with my teammates, again, being an introvert, I was, you know, so focused on just sort of being to myself, like, okay, go to class, go to practice, go back to your room in the league, go to practice, go back to your room. That was really my focus is just get the job done and then go and do whatever it is that you're going to do, whether it's lay around, watch TV, you know what I'm saying? Eat, whatever. So then I had to learn, okay, I have to engage more to be able to really reach who it is that I'm trying to teach. And so you have to be able to engage with those players, but it did help me understand, okay, well, Maybe this is why my coach acted this way, or maybe this is my the way my coach was trying to reach me and, and teach me in this way. So I did have to sort of get that understanding. I'm not going to lie. I called my coaches and I was like, hey, I appreciate y'all all the more right. now that I'm on the other side. Right, right, right. The X's and O's, I've always been able to see it. I'm still able to see it. There's a lot of time. I like people ask me, do I go to WNBA games or do I go to games? I don't watch games much. I get too frustrated. You know, people don't always know the game the way that they should. So I'm I'm watching and I'm seeing things and I'm like, man, how did you miss that? So right. I try and again that competitive nature needs to be taken down a little bit. Right, right. So last question. Um, there's a Tashia Phillips out there right now. Uh she's maybe growing a little bit, maybe not that good at basketball, maybe personality wise, she kind of keeps to herself. What um what advice? would you give some young kid, um, you know, if you had to, well, if you had to go back and you had to talk to yourself, what advice would you give yourself? What mistakes have you made that you feel like now? All right. I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have, this would have prepared me a little bit more. So one, be open. Two, don't be as hard on yourself. Three, enjoy the moment. Those are the three things that I think about now as a 31 year old adult 
you know, as far as my approach to the life I'm living now and not just what I should have done in basketball. I think a lot of times that, um, you know, growing up tall, especially as a female, it's hard, uh, you know, being a nerd and, and going to, you know, living in, you know, the not the nicest neighborhoods, but then going to Brebuff, you're always different than everybody else around you. You sort of create a shell. So right. I wasn't always open to people. I just felt like, okay, stay to yourself, be to yourself, and sort of you'll be fine. I think I definitely should have been more open. I should have talked to people more. I right. should have, you know, probably made more friends. I should have enjoyed the people that I was around with a whole lot more. That's all the way up from middle school to, to the WNBA. You know, I just – I was sort of closed off. So the first part is definitely be open because you right. never know what people can teach you. You never know the lifelong friendships or relationships that you'll build. So being more open was one. Um, two, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, I am a very driven person, which right. I know a lot of people are, but I'm driven in a way that uh, I'm very type A to where I don't like making mistakes. Right, right. I don't like not knowing and I don't like not doing things right. So a lot of times if I made a mistake or something else, I would sort of dwell in that spot. I would be right. in that place and I would continue to just sort of beat on myself and be hard on myself instead of letting myself learn and grow. And I'm still working on that now, even as an adult. You know, yes, it fueled me to be great in a lot of areas in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I think if I had the opportunity to really learn from those mistakes right. and grow from those mistakes in a way that I didn't, I probably could have pushed myself further. Right. Um, yeah. So then <sighs> the last one is enjoy the moment. Right. Again, because I'm being so closed off and because right. I'm being so hard on myself, I always just like to check the box, if that makes right. sense. So I set the goal, I get it done, cool, boxes checked, what's next? Instead of being like, hey, you achieved something, you accomplished something that most people only dream of, you right. know, that you've done something that most people can't say that they did. And I don't, I can't honestly say that I enjoyed those moments. Right. You know, my mom has all my trophies downstairs. She has all my stuff. And I look back at that and I'm like, man, I I was able to actually do that. That's crazy. But in the moment, I wasn't thinking about it. You know, I wasn't giving it a second thought. It's like, okay, cool. Something's done. What's next? So right. really take the time and enjoy life. You only get one. You know, right. those moments are, right. are once in a lifetime. You got to enjoy those. So those are my three things. Definitely be open. Don't be so hard on your life and enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ultimately, I mean, a lot of kids don't understand, um, you know, the having fun part because, I mean, they feel like this is their shot. They got to do everything it takes to, to get there. But you got to soak in those moments. You know what I mean? These, like you said, you're only going to get this once and then you don't know. You may go out there and have a career in the injury like what you had. Right. And then another another side of it is just, you know what I mean? Like with basketball, I don't you know, obviously. Some people that go pro, they make some good money. They make a living off of it. But ultimately, it's the people that you're going to meet. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be no matter what, no matter if basketball stops for you in high school, stops for you in the WNBA or the NBA, you're going to you're going to have friends. You're going to meet people that could be lifelong friends. You know what I mean? Or, or that, you know, even now, most of the people that I know through basketball, they help me with stuff in business. You know what I mean? They're, they're calling here. They're doing this. So kids got to start to understand, um, you know, you just you got to you got to make the best out of this time. At the same time, you know, you got to think, OK, you know, I got to have fun. Like, obviously, you playing in college and playing in WNBA. 
that's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be as fun, right? But you got to make fun in it yourself, right? And then what you said before, you can't really be a perfectionist because you're going to mess up. Any sport or anything that you're going to do, you're going to screw up. So you got to find a way to make that fun and have a and have a good time while you do it. And like I said, make the most out of every relationship. Don't just think, oh, well, you know, it's just all about me. I don't care about anybody else. You know what I mean? Just going forward. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. A lot of that is parents, though. Parents got to let kids be kids and have fun. Mm. I think, you know, now where everybody wants their kids to be the next LeBron James, they're pushing right. kids at an earlier age. Right. Let these kids have fun. Uh, let them let them live their, their young lives as long as they can because they got the rest of their lives to be adults once they become right. adults. Right. And, I, and, 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 and last last thing, and I'm done, uh, I comment on this a lot. It's the, it's the fact that this, like, you look at your journey, right? Or, or how you came through, you know, you, when, when girls probably looked at you when they first were coming up, it was like, oh, she ain't nothing. She just tall. She's uncoordinated. She can never play with the family. She's not going to be this. And then what you do, you go be the Gatorade player of the year. You go be Miss Basketball. You get a lot of accolades. And when you first stepped on the floor, there was a girl that probably everybody was like, oh, she could be Miss Basketball. People don't understand how genetics how timing certain things have to happen you know it's it's a lot of god in it there's certain things that have to happen throughout your life in sports right like yeah. you might mature at the right time you might grow 5 or 6 inches <laughs> you know what i mean you might yeah. you might just hit that point where you're understanding and now your confidence got built you know the fifth game That's of your sophomore season right time yeah everything you know what is I mean? And, 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 you know, as much as you want to push your kids, that's like my kids, my, my daughter plays now, she's very skilled. She's very talented. But as far as I'm concerned, if she doesn't want to go out and do the work, then there's not much that I could do for her. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, oh, well, come on, let's go do some training sessions. But then you don't want to go out back and shoot. You got to hoop out back. If you don't want to do that, there's some kid that does. And, and I remind her of that I'm like, listen, I'm not out to make you the best basketball player there is. I'm about to make you the best person through sports, yep, yep. period. So parents got to realize that sometimes you got to take your foot off the gas and you have to let the kid put their foot on the gas. That's yep. how it works. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like I said, man, my husband, that was me, my mom and my father and my family. That's how they let it. They, they presented the opportunities, but right. the work was done by me. And, and right. that's what it comes down to. So you're very right on that. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, maybe maybe I'll get something with maybe you, Amber. Uh, Amber's coming on. Amber's coming on uh, Monday, so Ooh, maybe I'll get brilliant. you, Amber, get a couple of the family girls on here, and let y'all go down memory lane one day. Listen, you you might not get you might get a little more than you bargained for by putting us all on at the same time. It's, it's a lot of that that sister love, you know, a little little push and shove still going on, even though we're adults. So. Right. If you get us all on here. Just, just be prepared. It's gonna, it's gonna be a lot, but it should um, be. Great. Oh man, I'm gonna hold on to my hat. Well, I appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Tashia Phillips. Thanks, Harvey. All right.